This episode of the podcast is brought to you by being bit by a radioactive spider and in hopes of getting superpowers, you refuse medical attention but then just end up dying. At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Crest the Podcast, the only podcast that looks blue in the moonlight. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing Moonlight. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, I'm more like a glow in the dark white. You're like moonlight. a radioactive green. Yeah. Um, this, I said in our last episode when I announced that we were doing it, the big announcement um, that we were going to be doing this film, I said that this is kind of regarded as probably the best A24 film, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, Academy Award winning movie. Yeah. Um, and I remember when this film dropped, everybody and their mother was talking about this movie. <laughs> really? People I... could not get enough of this film. So many, like, just, just like so much praise for this film and the subject matter that it covers mm-hmm. and the way that the story is being told. I mean, this movie. I remember in my in my previous job, I would I would I went to a guy's um apartment, mm-hmm. and I walked in, and he just had like moonlight posters, oh, and really? like the screenplay and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, everybody just loves this movie Where so much. Where the fuck much. was I in 2016? Because like I literally like I I didn't hear anybody talking about this. It's crazy. <laughs> this this movie. I I believe. I believe this wasn't this the um Academy Awards where they made a mistake. And they they announced the wrong movie, and then they had to like go back and be like, actually, it was Moonlight that won. And then they had to like oh, take maybe. away the Oscar yeah, and maybe. then give it to. I think that this was that year. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't know where the hell you were. You were sleeping somewhere. Yeah, but I, um, I hibernate a lot during yeah. the summer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that being said, this uh, we're going to be talking about 2016's Moonlight. Um, a24 written, boys written and directed by Barry Jenkins, but the it was originally adapted by um, a guy named Terrell Alvin McCarney, mm-hmm. McCarney, which he I guess it was like a play originally, and then it was called I think like in the moonlight, black boys look blue, mm-hmm. and then they adapted it. Um, and essentially, uh, what this movie is about is uh, wow. an entire Uh, life yeah i'm gonna read the imdb one so it says a young african-american man grapples with his identity and sexuality while experiencing the everyday struggles of childhood adolescence um and adulthood and uh this movie uh stars kind of a unique thing because Mm -hmm. you have three actors playing the same character uh but just at all different points in his life yeah so we have Alex R. Hibbert, who is playing Little, which is the youngest version of mm-hmm. Chiron. Then you have the middle age of teenage Chiron being played by Aston Sanders. And then you have Black, like mm-hmm. the oldest version of Chiron, being played by, uh, I don't even exactly know how to pronounce this guy's name, Travante, I think, mm-hmm. Rhodes, who plays the the oldest version. Um, you have Marshall, um, um, excuse me, you have uh, Mahershala Ali playing... Juan. I love that man. Yeah, he's uh, great. He was my favorite part in the Luke Cage uh, Netflix show. Never watched it. Does he play Luke Cage? He plays Diamondback, the main villain. Ah. Um, you have Naomi Harris, who plays Paula, who is kind of, uh, who is Chiron's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, crack addicted mother. Or, yeah, I think crack yeah, is what, the, crack. what it is. 
Um, and then really the only other guy that re- um, you have Janelle Monet who plays Teresa, who is Juan's mm-hmm. wife or girlfriend, whatever you want to call her. Um, and for the most part, you, that's pretty much it. And then really the only other one is Kevin. Yeah. Um, who the young version of Kevin is played by Jarrell Jerome. What a name, huh? <laughs> Jarrell Jerome. I think that's how, I think that's his name. And then the older version of him is played by Andre Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, oh boy, what a film, mm-hmm. huh? Um, I do like that it's broken up into like the three sections. Yeah, and they all kind of have a reason. Like there's oh, there's yeah. a real purpose for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are these are all kind of like very integral turning points in Chiron's life, essentially. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of just getting these glimpses of of you know a f- you know whether it's a few days in mm-hmm. just a week or two whatever it may be in this in the, in his entire life mm-hmm. but within these short glimpses you get you understand like why he is the way that he is the reasons like the decisions that he makes especially towards the later end of his life when we get to him at his oldest yeah um you get to see like you know what he, what it is that he does and 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 it's all kind of like this giant facade that he that he puts on but like you understand why he's doing it yeah um it's a really powerful film it is i really enjoy the fact of like you know you you can clearly see from like childhood to adulthood like how it affected him and like how it shaped him to be the man that he is yeah um huge praise for all actors playing chiron because not a single time did I feel like there was a point where the actor didn't match the character? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there, like each time, especially to like when you're in part three and it's black, and like when he gets the phone call from Kevin, because at this point, like you have him where it's like he's more kind of like he's built up a reputation. He's a lot more outspoken. He's a lot more like um, confident. And when he gets the phone call from Kevin, he immediately chokes up. Like he reverts back to <laughs> yeah. like how he's been. Yeah, and I think it was a really, really cool scene because it's like immediately you're like, oh my god, that's still Chiron. Yeah, like it's not like oh here's the actor trying to play the character. It's like no, this is still the character fully. Right. Yeah, and I thought that was really well done. Yeah, so let's um let's start about. I know that you said there's a, like maybe a few things that you didn't love about the film or yeah. things that you have minor complaints about. Very minor complaints. Um, part one, I I really was like the transition from part one to part two. I was really kind of like taken back for a second that like they decided to kill Juan off off screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, super uh, super annoyed by that. Honestly. Really, I actually thought it was really powerful. I mean, yeah, but it it just sucks because it's like you had this whole. I mean, I get it because it's like. You know, it's another layer of, like, something bad that's happened to Chiron, but it's, like, it sucks because, like, you got this, like, 20 minutes with Juan and got to see that, like, yes, he is a drug dealer, but he's trying to, like, better this kid's life. Right. Um, and he's trying to help him out. Which and, like, makes it all the mo- more, like, yeah, potent when he sucks. dies. It just sucks. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I get it. I understand the reason for it. Yeah. But, like... It just sucks because it's like you have a powerful character and me watching this for the first time, not looking up anything about the movie, not watching any trailer. It's like I was hoping that he would be like a more prominent of role course, in the you film. Of course, you want because you, 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 Juan is like who you need in this film. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of like the support system. Right. But of course, you know, in the in the world that he's involved with, he, he's a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So things are going to happen, of course. And if, and he ends up getting killed somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Um and 
I think there's really there's so much attention to detail in this film where yeah. it's like ridiculous. I mean, like it's absolutely insane, like the amount of detail that is like put in into this movie from the camera movements to the the choices of color, mm-hmm. from the sound effects. Yeah, everything is just so so um, paid attention to. I mean, when we get when we meet Juan in the opening shot. Mm-hmm camera angle super oh, smooth so beautiful nice. and like you got like this like it's kind of like the hero shot yes. like the, you know where it's like the, 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 the spin around, around him. him and like he's out there and then we cut to chiron and immediately he's like running away and the camera's just like jumping all over and all mm-hmm. over the place and it's just like yes we now understand these two people just by the camera movement alone exactly like you can tell that chiron is very fragile very like shaky and then Juan is super smooth and confident. So yeah. it's like you it's so cool to see stuff like that in films where it's like it's just visually shown like what characters are like before they even say a word. Yeah. Um and then of course you have one of the most powerful scenes that kind of is the catalyst for who Chiron is going forward, which is the baptism scene in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Kind of and of course like this movie is like a critics dream because it's just like unpacking everything mm-hmm. like what because like again this movie has so much detail that it, it over it, it almost makes you overanalyze yeah. where you're like everything has a meaning to it like the ocean mm-hmm. represents something like yeah. what what does the ocean represent he's being baptized in the ocean mm-hmm. right like what does that mean the ocean to me was kind of like just like the vast openness of the world and and that, like, you need to kind of give yourself to it mm-hmm. and instead of, like, trying to hide behind, like, who you think that you are supposed to be, essentially. And, yeah. like, you know, Chiron, through the majority of him being little, is just uh, very quiet, doesn't really talk. I mean, he doesn't – I think it, I think he's there for, like, almost a full 24 hours before he, like, actually says a word to Juan. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, and, and him, like, baptizing him and teaching him how to swim – Again, it's like for me, it was very just like metaphorical of just like him needing to him teaching little to like embrace who he is mm-hmm. and and to like lean into himself more and not be ashamed of, of who he is. Yeah, because like the ocean is so infinite that it's like you have kind of like these infinite possibilities of like you can do what you want to do. Right. And then because the ocean like water it's it's like this flow of like you're gonna have the rough patches you're gonna have like the smooth like calmness like you you choose like what makes you you from that yeah and i thought that was cool with the water yeah and then of course you know he has that great dialogue where he tells him like you know what we were kind of saying what kind of like the overarching theme of this film being like in the moonlight black boys look blue because the mm-hmm. color blue is so predominant in this film yeah um there's there's some really cool things that I noticed on this watch that mm-hmm. I didn't notice on my first time watching the film years and years and years ago um, that I was just like, wow, like just so impressive with the amount of detail. But when Juan is te- telling him kind of like, you know, in the moonlight, black boys look blue. And then we get to the point of where he is no longer little and he's uh, sh- um, Chiron and he's sitting at the beach with Kevin. Mm-hmm. And there's that shot of like them smoking together and like there's that overhead shot and they they look up yeah and it's like the moonlight is lighting them Mm -hmm. and then they share like their first kiss i think i i it's kind of i think it's pretty um it is uh chiron's first kiss yeah 
and and he goes on to say like later on it's like he really hasn't done much since then yeah and yeah as you're right and he was like he i was you know you were the first one that I ever let, like touched me like that and then i haven't touched anyone since essentially or I haven't let anybody touch me since mm-hmm. um but like them just kind of being you know i don't know i really love that shot because it's almost like the moon is watching them yeah uh there's and- also a really good shot beforehand too where it's like it transitions from little to Chiron and like he kind of like is sideways and you see like the blue background yeah right before it cuts to like yeah there's so many uses of color I mean like even when when you first get introduced to Kevin Mm -hmm. when we get to the middle portion of his life Mm -hmm. and uh they're they're kind of on like I guess it's like a balcony or something like inside of the school Mm -hmm. and there's like this blue um like siding on the wall Mm -hmm. and and like in the beginning of the conversation, that's where like Kevin is. And then they kind of like walk around while they're talking. And eventually at the end of the conversation, Chiron ends up like in that blue area, Mm -hmm. just being like, Oh, he's like fully comfortable with Kevin. He's realized like that he wants Kevin. He's got a crush on Kevin, which then of course leads to that scene where he's um, having his dream and he dreams about like Kevin Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, he's got a crush and him trying to like, kind of just cope with the sexuality because i mean same thing happens like when he's a kid right i mean they're sitting at the table with um he's sitting at the table at the dinner table with uh juan mm-hmm. and he ends up he, he says like what is a faggot yeah and he's like am i a faggot right and and juan has a really good answer yes like a very like top-notch parent answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's just like he's like you can be gay and that's pretty and like that's okay but you can't let anybody call you that mm-hmm and it's just like these teachable moments in his life that are just like so and again that's the thing that i love about this movie it's like these small little like details yeah. these small little moments in his life who made him who he is cuz he even says too it's like you know like at that young age it's like am i gay and juan responds with like you have time to figure that out like yeah. i can't tell you you are but you can when you feel like it's right yeah and it's like again like you said like it's a teachable moment like it's a very like adult thing to say yeah. to a kid that's asking the serious question right and of course you have paula who's his mom mm-hmm. who is that's that's a whole nother thing to unpack right oh because my God. because there's a weird thing going on there because mm-hmm. she's addicted to drugs. Yeah. And that Juan, Juan is, is the drug dealer to mm-hmm. her. A little weird um, that like in plain like nighttime that he can just see a car from like across the road and be like, oh, that's that's his mom. But the I, I don't know if that if they did realize it. Like, I think that he knocked like he knocked on the no, he see he didn't because he, he, he was over there. And he was like, yo, those people are, like, lighting up, like, right here. He's like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he was like, we can't let them do that because that'll get everybody in trouble, essentially. So he walks over to go yell at them to, fuck, like, to get out of here because he doesn't want them smoking there. And then when he knocks on the window, he realizes that it's the mom. Mm. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, point one for Frank. Oh. oh. <laughs> um, Minus two for Zach. <laughs> um, no, but, yeah, it, it's a really, like, in, like, integral moment because that now Little, at that point, is like, what am I, what am I supposed to think? Yeah. Right. Like this guy, I like this guy because Juan is actually not being a terrible human being to me. Mm-hmm. He's actually, I clearly, he gives him a place to stay. He's, he's, you know, giving him, he's giving him food and he's just teaching him things. Mm-hmm. Right. Which he's never had in his life, but he's pretty much the reason as to why his mom is the way that she is. Yeah. Which is just like, there's such a con like a conflicting 
thing going on there of emotions. And I think you get that the most when it becomes part two of Chiron. Yeah. Where it's like, and, and I love too, it's like the, the transition from Paula, like you can actually see like physically like how the drugs have affected her at this point. Right. And it's like, you get like the small instance with little where it's like, he wants to watch TV and she's like, no, go read a book or something. Yeah. Um, and then the next scene when he comes home, the TV's gone because she sold it. Yeah. For drugs. Right. And what about like, even like the, the great, um, the great moment where she comes, uh, out of the house and she's like, this, this is where Chiron was staying there. And that was, mm-hmm. I think it was the moment where we realized that Juan was dead. Mm-hmm. And then, um, which is again, really powerful. And I like that they didn't exactly like, they don't just like spoon feed it to you. Like the words, the words like Juan is dead, Juan yeah. is gone, never actually happens. Yeah, like, like oh, I haven't seen Teresa since like the funeral. The funeral. Like mm-hmm. it's like little things. Like when when you realize like that that he's sitting there at the table with with them, and and Juan doesn't show up. Clearly, you're realizing like something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Something's missing. Um, and then you're right. Like she says, I haven't seen her since the funeral. Um, but there's a really great, like, smart editing choice, again, too, with, like, audio and um, camera, mm-hmm. where the mom, she's going through, like, a withdrawal. Yeah, and, and it's very frantic camera. Yeah, and, like, the dialogue is not, the audio is not matching up with the visuals, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of see, like, how scattered she feels. And then after she kind of gets her high, everything kind of relaxes a bit more, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and then it's back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really, like, smart filmmaking. Oh, yeah. And then, even, too, like, I think, honestly, like, the part two of Chiron has, like, the most in it for, like, what you can pick apart. Because it's, like, being a teenager itself is, like, hard just enough. Just the worst. <laughs> and then, like, these, this is, like, an actual real-life thing that people go through where it's, like, you know, you go to school, you get bullied, you don't have any friends, really. And then you come home and you have a broken family and, like, a, a system where it's, like your parent is a drug addict yeah. and it's like, they don't really love you. They love the drug and like, they want the money that you have to get drugs. Yeah. And I really loved like that. Like, cause the whole film leading up to this point, you're just waiting. Like you're watching for when Chiron kind of gets that little like nudge where it's like, I'm going to do this. Like I'm not soft anymore. Like I can be myself. Yeah. And like the right before you end Chiron and you get where He's been beaten up, which, by the way, that fucking knockdown, stay down game, super hard to watch. Yeah. Um, especially, too, because of Kevin. And especially because of, like, the, the scene beforehand. They just shared yes. their first kiss with another. And also, he's wearing blue. Right. In the cafeteria. So, so it's right. like. He's. That's the. That's, like, one of the crazy things, too, right? Is, like, if you, if you look at that scene. Mm hmm. Um, Kevin is wearing, I think, a blue and white shirt, mm-hmm. and Chiron is wearing a white and blue shirt. Yep. It's like they complete each other. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like, it's come on! Real, it's really smart storytelling. Yeah. But yeah, like, because you have the bully of like Terrence or like Tyrell, yeah, something like that. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> fuck him. What an <laughs> asshole. Um. But yeah, like you have like that really nasty scene, and then you have him, which I think is like one of my top three like favorite shots in the this film. Where it's like he's in the bathroom and the lights are flickering and he's like he's like soaking his face in ice water. Yeah. And when he looks up, it's kind of like this point again with water where it's like he's cleansed himself yeah. of he's almost baptized himself again yeah. of being like I'm I'm growing as a person now. Like I can make my own decisions. Yeah. And like you can just see like the anger in him and like just walking into class 
and finally the like tracking you, shot oh it's you, so good you get the tracking shot and then finally you get like this moment of like he finally got something for himself when he takes the chair and breaks it over the kid's back yeah which is awesome like yeah. super cool to do something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah and it's like cool too because it's like when when he's walking through the school mm-hmm. um the they use like a super shallow depth of field so everything is like blurred out in the background and only like Chiron is in yeah. is in focus like he's got and tunnel then, vision and then and then as soon as he gets into the classroom everybody's in focus mm-hmm. and it's just like okay now now we're here and it's just, again it's just really really smart storytelling um he ends up getting arrested and then mm-hmm. again because that's the following day yeah so he ends up getting arrested and again something really smart was when he's getting re- arrested, Chiron is wearing a solid blue shirt mm-hmm. and Kevin is like wearing a gray shirt mm-hmm. of like, like everything's been taken away from you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Like y- I've lost you. You've lost me. We're no longer like here. And you know, it's a really powerful scene. You're right. When they do that knockdown, stay down thing, when they're like kind of circling and, and he ends up telling him to hit Chiron because you can see in Kevin's face. He's like, dude, just stay down. Yeah. Like he, he, he says to him like, don't get back up. Like, I don't want to do this, but you know, in their environment, mm-hmm. in their culture, if and you don't do this, like then you're, you're the weak one. Exactly. Um, and you know, then he's going to be getting bullied essentially. So he has to like kind of put on this facade of being strong and whatnot mm-hmm. and not scared. And, uh, it's just a really, really powerful moment. Yeah. And then we open up with black, which and- again, same thing. He's in the bathroom kind of baptizing himself again where it's like he's grown again right. into this other person. Yeah. Um I th- I think my f- that black is my favorite portion of the film. Mm-hmm. Some people say that it's like the worst part of the movie. I don't think it's the worst. Uh, I think that it's in my opinion the, I mean I think that it goes Chiron black little for me personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um for like my favorite like sequences. Yeah. Um but black is it's like it's jaw dropping mm-hmm. to see him. Yeah, because it's like he's so jacked. He's so and he's like confident mm-hmm. and he's playing this like gangster music. And like he rolls up <laughs> the same way that Juan did yeah. with the camera yep. super smooth on him, yep. circling him as he's talking to the guy. And yeah. it's like like you see like he's become like a completely different person. Yeah. And like I mentioned before, like when he gets that phone call from Kevin and it's just so perfectly done that like he just reverts back to being like that shy, timid, can only say like three words. Yeah. And it's like then this brings back all these emotions like he goes to sleep and like he thinks about Kevin and he has like a wet dream and then he's like, OK, well, I guess I got to fucking go back to yeah. fucking where I was from. Right. Exactly. Um, Miami, I guess. I think it was like Florida. And I think it was really cool too because it's like, again, that color choice pattern where it's like when he goes to meet Kevin, he's wearing all black. He's, and then Kevin's wearing all white. Yeah. And like, but when Kevin calls him, there's like a blue light Mm -hmm. on him. It's like Mm -hmm. that, that like, you know, those thoughts about, about Chiron are like there. Mm -hmm. It's just like, man, the fucking detail. (laughs) I know. It's really, really impressive. I gotta say. Um, And then like, yeah, you're right. So the, he gets to, you know, he pulls up and then he has this moment with his mom first. Yeah. Which is very powerful, very powerful and like hard to watch kind Mm -hmm. of. Um, And they essentially just exchange a dialogue of her, you know, the mom is now in, in like a, I don't I guess it's not a halfway house, but it's like a recovery center, like somebody who's an addict. And she's got, she's like trying to, you know, essentially she she makes an actual like adult decision Mm -hmm. 
which I really appreciated where she pretty much is because black says to her, you know, her like essentially like, when are you going to get out of here? And she basically says like, why would I get out of here? Mm-hmm. Like it, this place is good for me. It keeps me busy. I like what I'm doing and it keeps me clean. Yeah. So it's like, she knows that if she is, you know, set free and she just walks out, she's most likely going to just revert back to drugs. Yeah. Which is a really hard thing for, I would imagine your son or any, you know, any loved one to hear mm-hmm. that like, you know, you're so, addicted and you have such like a problem that you can't live a regular life anymore like you have to be kind of confined by these walls because if not i'm going to immediately go back to the way i used to be and followed up with the fact that she admits that like i didn't love you when you needed me to love you yeah like i love you now and i i will always love you from this point on and i'm sorry that i didn't right and it's like you get once again like because you've spent at this point like a good like five ten minutes with black as like again this kind of like hard person that like doesn't let anybody in and like is confident and like will will just do what he has to do and then you get again like a teardrop fall from him where yeah. it's like he's vulnerable again he's, he's yeah. able to kind of like be what he always was right and that's the thing what i said like in the beginning is that this kind of character that he's playing is literally that it's a character it's a facade it's not who he really is it's Mm -hmm. just it's a front that he's putting up that he's kind of been like burying himself in for as long as he can now probably remember and as you that that was the turning point was when he hit that kid with the chair like that was the moment right Mm -hmm. like that's the turning point in his life where he then became black essentially Mm -hmm. and man oh man like when when he gets that phone that phone call from kevin and like you see the 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 real Chiron come out Mm -hmm. you realize just how much of a facade all of this really is and this isn't really who he is and he tries to like uphold that facade when he when he gets to the restaurant where I guess Chiron I mean um Kevin owns and and uh it's just like Kevin Kevin can just see through it yeah and it was super fun too to see like you know when he finally got there and like he puts on the shirt and like he fixes his hair yeah like he's he's excited to yeah. see kevin and he cares about the way that he looks and he mm-hmm. wants to see kevin mm-hmm. and it's it's also really funny too that i something that I, I i i noticed is that like you don't really in films if there's like a real tough guy like gangster in in, in a film you never see them like vulnerable mm. um it's always like you know you don't ever see them in their underwear sleeping, cuddling with a pillow. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like... Or you don't see more than like a quick scene. Right, Like exactly. you don't get like a majority of the character being shown in right. this sense. You never get to see like them in their real life. Mm-hmm. It's always like who they are portraying themselves as. And with this one, like the fact that he has to like take out his grills yeah. to eat... And like he, he has to like kind of like suck up the saliva when he pulls him out just to eat his food is like these are just these like little vulnerable moments of like this guy is trying to be a gangster, but he has to take out his gold teeth to like eat a dinner. Yeah. Like it's just so it's just so interesting to watch that mm-hmm. and be like, this is all just a facade, man. This is all just fake. And when he sits down and, and, and him and Kevin have this kind of interaction when they haven't seen each other for however long probably over 10 years, I think they said 10 or 15 mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And they kind of share a glass of wine together and, and he kind of asked him like where, what he's been up to. And he says, listen, man, I've been like trapping. I've been selling drugs essentially. 
the look on Kevin's face is just like, man, that's not you. Mm-hmm. Like, we know this isn't you. You know this isn't you. Yeah. And then, of course, Black gets defensive. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you, like, you don't know who I am anymore. Right. But he really does. Yeah. Of course. Um, and then they kind of have their little, you know, they go back to Kevin's place. And you have that great shot of him getting out of the car and looking and there's like the the view of the ocean and Mm -hmm. like that that the sound of the breeze and and all that comes back and the ocean sounds come back and it's like taking him back to that moment where like he was his most true self Mm -hmm. and and then of course you know kevin goes into the house he changes into a blue shirt Mm -hmm. (laughs) as if not to tell you even more (laughs) and um and then they have like their kind of final interaction with one another, their kind of final, you know, dialogue with one another where he's like, like we said earlier, where he says, like, I never let anybody ever touch me like that, mm-hmm. you know, since and after. And what a perfect ending to the film. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, like, again, same kind of like pose where it's like Kevin is holding uh, Black at this point. Yeah. Who has fully become Chiron again. Right. And like just petting his head and like letting him kind of be vulnerable and then you get like that last shot of little in front of the ocean turning staring back, back yeah. at essentially us. him oh, well okay. yeah yeah uh, I, us but essentially like in my mind like it was looking back at Chiron yeah it's like, like Chiron is like looking at himself as a kid yeah essentially and, and seeing like you know kind of this is this is where your life will lead yeah and it's like and of course it's like in the moonlight mm-hmm. he looks kind of like his skin tone looks blue everything looks blue it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect ending. It's a really nice movie. <laughs> it is. It's a really good mm-hmm. film. Um, and like I said, I think people kind of renown this as like one of the best A24 films, like period. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to unpack in it. There's mm-hmm. a lot of themes, a lot of metaphors. Um, it's a really, really gentle story. It's a really, really um, delicate kind of kind of storytelling. I think that Barry Jenkins essentially accomplished um, like visual poetry, mm-hmm. essentially. Like this is, this feels like poetry. Yeah. Um, he did the same thing with a film called if, if Beale street can talk. Um, it's a really, really another, it's another good film. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, man, this is just a movie that I think hit kind of at the right time where like stories like this weren't really being told, you mm-hmm. know, like these kind of intimate black stories about, um, about life and, yeah, and, and living. But, right. But like just a more kind of gentle, like storytelling version of it. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it, it really like kind of, you know, took off the way that it did mm-hmm. um because it was just so unique and different for the time being and uh and i think it's going to age very well very very well nine um, and a half chairs out of ten it's a it's yeah it's basically a perfect film <laughs> like it really really is um it, it's 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 an incredible movie and um and i think it's absolutely worth your time uh speaking of uh time no 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 speaking of kind of these moments of because in Moonlight, you're getting, like, kind of educated on the culture, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's kind of what leads into my recommendation. So I've been um, reading a book by a author named Stephen Graham Jones, who made a move. Uh, excuse me. He made a book or wrote a book called The Only Good Indians, mm-hmm. I believe. Is, let, me, let me make sure that that's absolutely positively um, the title. Yeah, The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Came out in 2020. Um, he is a Native American, mm-hmm. and he uh, writes horror. Oh, so uh, that might that might tickle your fancy. 
I don't know. Zach, is your is your fancy being tickled right now? It's it's a little. It's, it's a twinkle. It's, it's tingling. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely like fizzling a <laughs> yeah, little bit. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, so him being a Native American, he writes Native American protagonists, mm-hmm. and there's uh, it, it's kind of based on horror. The Only Good Indians is a really cool horror book that I'm really really enjoying a lot. Um, that he somehow managed to like literally incorporate like a jump scare mm. through words. That's always the hardest it's thing. It's so books. insane like to me. Like with horror. Yeah. Um, really, really cool. Um, but, and it's really just really good storytelling, but I'm learning like through the characters, like about the native Americans and just like their lifestyle and whatnot. Um, same deal with like a movie called wind river another like native American kind of thing. That's we, we should probably do wind river. It's a really good film too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to recommend that. It's a horror. He's he's a really good horror author, um, and uh, and he's educating me a little bit on the Native American culture, um, but also scaring the shit out of me. The so, Wendigos. The Wendigos. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I recommend the Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Uh, he's a really good good writer. Zach, what are we doing next? We are going to be talking about our most favorite rewatchable movies. Mm. 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 shit that you've watched a lot (laughs) (laughs) all right cool so look forward to that zach take us out all right guys thank you for listening now frank see little i knew you wasn't soft